sin to share more with one another. But fellowship is not just about eating. It is about the bond that we share with one another in Christ. That is why when I came here about four years ago to visit for work, <clears throat> I met some of you all and I shared a meal with family back here in this room. I don't know why they eat steak, but um, not my favorite thing. But, uh, but when I left, all I could do is talk about this generation. Talk to talk my wife and kids about how I would hope that one day I could get stationed um, at Elmendorf so that we can be a part of the congregation uh, up there in Alaska. And um, God, God's will, I would suppose God's will was done because we're here. It's not my will, but he, he, he allowed us to be here. And, and the reason why I was excited about that was because I was like, there's a group of Christians up there in Alaska that I am thankful to be a part of, be, be family, uh, uh, blood family in Christ's blood. Uh, I've also experienced the same thing when I went to, I've been to Guam a couple of times. And there, there are members that were there that I know that live somewhere else now that I'm still in fellowship with because those are my Christian brothers and sisters. And all around the world, just like you all have. As, as you all go visit, I know Ms. Jackie, you said y'all went down to Texas. There are members down there. You, just wonderful, right? And when you, when you see them, it's like family because, well, they are. And that's what I'm trying to get us to realize. It's the same thing here. And so last week, I know that we, or in, in the last few weeks, we, we focus on important concepts related to the nature of our fellowship in Christ. That it's a pattern, it's patterned after, the, um, after that found in the family. When we talked about having an intimate household. And then we, we talked about that <clears throat> outside this family, outside this body, there is no life. And, and what I'm getting at there is that there are a lot of um, organizations that we can belong to outside of the church, fraternities, uh, sororities, um, garden clubs. I used to belong to a photo, a photo club um, with a bunch of folks there were amateurs and pro, um, professional photographers, Janae and I, and um, I have a marching band background, and so I, I love anything to do with instruments and, and people that are involved in that. But with all those organizations, there's nothing in comparison to the Lord's body because we have something greater to look forward to. When we leave this life, we have another life to look forward to that we can read about right now and here, that if we continue to live faithfully here on this earth, that we have so much joy to look forward to. In the band, I love it. But once that's gone, I mean, yeah, it's, it's gone, right? Um, another important concept in developing the type of fellowship, though, that should exist in the church of our Lord <clears throat> is that of acceptance. It is easy for there to be acceptance in the family because of physical ties. You know, I was, I was thinking about this as I was studying it uh, earlier this week and, and, and before, Sometimes you have no choice in the family members that you you get, right? And I'm not talking about I'm not talking about in a in a marriage or how because you have a choice you you can choose who you want to marry most most times you choose who you want to marry. But let's say you have a child. You know what we say about children when we don't have nothing good to say? Ooh, some good feet. Those little toes are cute. You know, them hands. You you look at that child like man, that is an ugly baby. You don't want to say that. 
but you have no choice, right? You get what you get. You can't help what your parents look like. You can't help what your children look like, your grandparents. And that's your family, though. You just grow. You grow to love them. Uh, and so, again, <clears throat> easy, not easy. It can be easy to accept them eventually after a while because you're kind of stuck with them. It's also easy in social organizations that are based upon things the members have in common. I will tell you, I was talking to um, uh, what's this, Dwayne um, Nichols when he came um, back for his visit after basic training. Uh, actually, we actually saw him doing the teens, uh, the youth lock-in. He came and he showed up and, and surprised everyone. Um, and I asked him, I said, hey, so when you were in basic training, was it like John and I told you? You're going to meet people that have never met other people that they've never seen in their life? He's like, yeah, he started telling me all these stories. But eventually, you know, they came together as a group, and they kind of were stuck with one another. You get what you get in, in basic training and in, in, in the military. Well, in the church, it is not always easy, and I'm sure y'all can say amen to that, for you to have people with various backgrounds, lifestyles, and interests, sometimes you, you look across the aisle and like, who are you and why are you here? Maybe you may say that. I don't want to put any words in your mouth, but I've said that at times. Not here, but I've said that at times. How can we have a thriving fellowship that exists with so many differences that we have? As you think about that question, I want you to see that the answer lies in the understanding and, and the applying of a concept that it's called acceptance in the family of God. And to appreciate these um, challenging, uh, the challenges that face the church, let's consider some of the, uh, the nature of the differences or of our differences. So we have um, differences in the church that can be, ver- that can be many, that can be various, such as we may have differences in race. We may have white, Asian, Hispanic, uh, African-American. You go on and on and on and on. We have that represented well within this congregation, right? Uh, we have differences in nationalities, you know, American, Canadian, um, Mexican, uh, you name it. We, we have that represented here. Differences in maybe political differences. Some of us might be conservative, liberal, I don't know, Republican, Democrat, independent, I don't know, I'm just a Christian, that's what I try to say. Uh, differences in economic status. Some of us are more well-off than others. Some of us are poor, some of us are wealthy, some of us are in the middle. Some of us have different lifestyles. Some of us are simple. Some of us have 10 jobs like John Teamer. Some of us are just, you know, you just sit back and relax. Uh, some of us have, you know, other secular interests. Like, some of us like sports. I just told you I like the band. Uh, I like musical instruments. And some people like computing. Uh, I know you get, you get Tommy Johnson talking about computers. You know, that brother knows what he's talking about. And our elders and deacons meeting when he starts talking about, like, all the wires and stuff that go through the building. I mean, I know a little bit of it. I'm like, yeah, you get, we got the right person for that job right there. Um, we all have different hobbies. But your hobby might be different. I might not enjoy your hobby as much as you do, but I might maybe go with you and, and, and maybe try to enjoy it. But maybe your, your hobby is not of any interest to me. And I don't want nothing to do with it. Some of us like to wear the same type of shirts. I see three people over here, you know, like the dressing as triplets. You know, some of us like to shave our heads or by choice or not. Um, some of us are 
in a different, <laughs> in a different, at different spiritual maturity levels. Some of us are weak in the faith. Some of us are strong in the faith. Some of us are weak in our faith, maybe in this instance, where you may be stronger and vice versa. So we, we have all these differences that exist. And, and I want to take us back to um, something that I, I asked you all, and actually, uh, actually uh, Brother James answered the question. Why do we have the issues that we have within the church? Why do we have the issues with one another as we do in the church? It's because we are just like everybody else. We're flawed too. Just because you're a member of the church don't mean that you don't have problems, that we don't have problems. This, you don't walk in the building and, and, and magically all the problems in the world just go away. The difference is, though, that we are a family. And so we have to recognize that we do have differences. All differences possess potentials uh, for disruption. There's nothing wrong with being different. It really isn't. But they can come with problems like prejudice and bigotry. And any one area can destroy the unity and fellowship in a local congregation. Obviously, if we're talking about race, bigotry and prejudice is a big thing. But I could be, that's a no-brainer. I mean, we can talk about that, but maybe you're a car enthusiast and I'm not. Maybe you like football and I don't. I'm staying away from you. Maybe you like to knit and I don't. I'm definitely staying away from you. You know, things like that. I'm giving examples. I'm not saying these are absolutes of what I'm talking about. But, um... Maybe I, want, I don't want anything to do with your kind. You ever heard that? I've heard that before. And it, it's a slap in the face. Even on a more innocent level, <clears throat> such as cliques, they can develop among those who have things in common. Something that I work at hard, I work hard at, is that I enjoy company. Maybe I enjoy company of um, more company with others than do with some other folks and it has nothing to do with because i don't like them or something maybe i have we have great interest in something and i would caution you if you if you have that as well like there are folks within the congregation that you just really get you click with you you get along with them there's nothing wrong with that but understand that the rest of the congregation needs your love too and so spread yourself out i remember i remember something that was uh mentioned to me uh when i when jennifer and i were um considering marriage and we went through marriage counseling and the preacher was saying he he specifically said to me jay you have to help jennifer realize that she has to let you um be spread to everyone else you know i mean you are hers forever but you have to she has to allow you to be given to other folks in the sense like within the congregation or with sometimes you need time for yourself sometimes you need your time with the boys Sometimes you need your time to just sit and be by yourself. And then he flipped. I thought he was just talking to me. He flipped and said the same thing to Jennifer. He said, well, sometimes you need to be with the ladies and find out what's going on with them and, and, and remember who you are and, and, and find that feminine side. When we get into these cliques, though, we, we tend to, what I've seen is that I see you every day. I'm with you all the time. And then I come to the building and I'm with you the entire time. I sit next to you in the, in the building, and then service is over with, and I'm only talking to you and you only. And then we leave, and we're always together. That's what I'm saying is a danger. Because then when does everyone else have time, get, get the chance to know you, and when do you get a chance to know anyone else? 
how can we be one and enjoy fellowship with so many differences? So that's a question I have for you. How can we be one and enjoy fellowship with so many differences? Anyone can answer this question. John, you sound like you got something on your mind. I can hear it. How can we be one and enjoy fellowship with so many differences? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a good answer, brother. Anyone else? What's that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Such as let's name them. One was a tax collector. No one wants to be with a tax collector. No. A doctor. Fisherman. What? Let's talk about the fisherman. We realize that during that day that some of us in here who like to fish would be considered as, oh, I don't want to do anything with you. Because fishermen, that, that was a low-class type of job. I don't even know why, because you could eat for life, right? But Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't see those differences. We're talking about a tax collector, doctors. You know, we're talking about, when you were talking about that, I was thinking about Luke, um, Matthew, <clears throat> men a tax collector um what about judas what what was judas good for judas iscariot was that finding treasure hmm. I, I think I, i'll go with that but i think more so as i look if he was one of my friends if judas he'll be the one when hey, i got some trouble judas come on up here because he was a zealot he was very like i'm gonna take care of business what else? Who else did we have? Peter, he was a fisherman. Paul, who did he hang around? When Paul went to the town, who maybe would he associate with? We already have we have an example already in scripture. Who would he associate with? What was Paul's uh, uh, what was his background? What was his employment? What did he do? He was a tent maker. So I'm I'm trying to give y'all like, you know, just feeding you a little bit. So who who did we have an example? Who did he go and sit with and talk with when he would go to town? Probably tent makers, yes, ma'am. And we know what, who was that? Yeah, we go Quill and Priscilla. You think they got along? You think that as brothers and sisters in Christ, they got along maybe even more because they had more to talk about? We we're gonna have those things. Yet we still need to give ourselves to our brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm not just talking. <clears throat> We're going to scripture. You know. I'm, I just, I'm just trying to get us to, in thinking that way. With the answer also lies in understanding God's attitude towards acceptance. Let's turn to Deuteronomy 10, chapter 17. Deuteronomy 10, 17. God is not one to show partiality. If someone would read Deuteronomy 10, 17, I appreciate it. <laughs> That means God, thank you, is not like us. God cannot take a bride. He doesn't take a bride. Why doesn't God take a bride? What's the difference between him, <coughs> excuse me, and I would say us, but him and say um, a judge of today? 
And I'm not saying all judges are, are bad or immoral. Every time I think about a bribe, I think about a judge or, or a constable or a sheriff or of, of the wild, wild west, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I'm asking, why not? He owns it anyway. Yes, and that's what you're getting at. What you're saying. He owns it all. I mean, what can you give God? Nothing. So because we cannot give him anything, God does not take partiality in anyone. God is, I get the sense that if you, if you don't do it, well, God will just find somebody else to do it. And God also expects obedience from everyone. Everyone. Uh, Paul wrote, he revealed himself to Israel as one who shows no partiality there in Deuteronomy 10, 17. But if you turn over to Romans chapter 2, you'll see that Paul wrote God's impartial judgment to come. Romans 2, I'll be reading from uh, starting at verse 9. It says, but to those who are, excuse me, verse 9, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first. Let, let's, let's go back to verse 5. But in accordance, in, in accordance with your hardness and your impotent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds, eternal life to those who by uh, patient uh, continuance and doing good, seek for glory, honor, and immorality, or excuse me, immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first, and also uh, for the Greek. But glory and honor and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. <clears throat> I introduce to you all that we will um, have, start, starting on the third Fridays of each month, um, something called First Principles Friday. And in First Principles Friday, is, as it says on the door and, and said in the bulletin and on the flyers, there's, it's, not a, it's a no judgment zone, just like this isn't either. But the difference is, like, I'm teaching this class, I have a lesson, I'm asking you some questions, you're answering back. We have certain scriptures that we're going to read, and it's in, you know, in a nutshell. That's, that's what we're going to do. In that class is you show up, or whoever you bring, and it's really great for those who are not Christians. Those friends of yours, those coworkers of yours, you know have questions that you have been trying to answer, or you don't know how to answer, and you bring them here, and we sit out here in the, in, in the foyer, and we eat a meal, and we ask those questions, and we together help Find the answer in God's word if it's if it's there, and if not, we you know we leave it alone. <clears throat> when, I remember one of my first classes I did with that. A young lady started. She asked a question about. She she asked a question in the form almost of a statement though. She said, "It's it's not fair that you don't get another chance on Judgment Day. It's not fair that that's the last time." Um, before we're, it's decided where we're going to heaven or hell. And we, we did a whole study on that, and there's so much more to it than just, um, well, that's when it's decided, you know. <clears throat> and uh, without getting into that study, 
one of the things I mentioned to her was that well, God gives us second chances right now, and third and fourth, and however many you want to count up to. And God has given you opportunity right now. He's been fair right now with everyone. I'm, I brought up, <clears throat> even though the Pharaoh that we beat up all the time is the one, um, you know, from Exodus and, and how he didn't let the children of Israel go. I said, because God's a fair and, and, and impartial, if that Pharaoh decided, you know what, I'm going to follow God. I am not a God. God is God. And I'm going to let his people go. I don't think God would have destroyed them. In, in fact, God wasn't, if, if you all follow me on this, did God reach out and destroy him be, uh, right then and there, or did, did Pharaoh walk into it? I, 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 my, my answer is, the answer is yes, he walked into it. And the reason why I say that is because God allowed him to be Pharaoh, God set him up to where, where he was going to be, and God used him for the purpose that he um, used him for. But each time, each time, count up to ten, Moses said to Pharaoh, let my people go. And all Pharaoh had to do was let God's people go. But after the ten plague and after the Israelites were gone, Pharaoh hardened his heart. His heart was hardened again. He got all his soldiers and all his chariots, and they went chasing after the Israelites. Now, what we like to do is we say that and we jump straight into, they went into the sea and the water covered up. Do you realize that, that God had put a separation in between the Israelites and, the, and Pharaoh and his army? You know, with the pillar of, of, of the cloud and, and, and the, the, the fire at night. There was a great separation. Even after they got all the way over Pharaoh could have been like, no, it's too much water. I'm going to go back this way. He wouldn't have been destroyed. But there's a movie that the kids watch called Prince of Egypt. It would make you think that, um, it's an animated movie. It would make you think that Pharaoh stayed alive. He was alive after all of that happened. Pharaoh and all his men, all the king's horses and all the king's men died. God gave Pharaoh lots of second chances. And so... When, if, if I were, were him and I'm standing in front of God and asking God to give me a second chance, it's too late. <clears throat> and she was not happy with that answer. I don't know, there was no more I could tell her other than showing her these scriptures here. That God is fair. God is righteous. He can do no wrong, and we can't bribe him, as we just talked about. He's given us chance after chance. Think about it. You sinned today, and God has allowed you to still be here right now. Um, look at 1 Peter 1, 17. Will someone please read that? God is not one to show partiality, and Peter also wrote of God's impartiality in 1 Peter 1, 17. Yes, sir. Thank you. And if you call them false without partiality and judging, according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Go ahead through 19, please. 18? Through 19.
as if we needed an, an, an uh, explanation why God can be impartial. God is God. God is the great I am. He's I am. He, he is God. He needs no explanation. But in case you need one, it's because he sent his son, a perfect sacrifice for us. The, to me, that is the greatest second chance there can be, that God sent Jesus so that we can have an opportunity to stand before him. And he says, well, um, we're, all done, we're all good. <clears throat> I'm saying it wrong. We're all good, my faithful servant. He, he's letting me come into heaven. Come on in to the place I prepared for you. After all the wrong that we still do, if we're in Christ and we continue to try to live faithfully, we have that promise. God is, God is not partial. God is willing to accept everyone. Turn to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. God is, a, is willing to accept everyone, accept all. This was the purpose of the vision shown to Peter in Acts chapter 10 and the spirit falling upon the Gentiles. Acts 10, 34 through 35. The scripture there says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is, <clears throat> and works righteousness is accepted by him. Now, understand that Peter had a vision it had a vision. And can y'all tell me about that vision? Anyone? The vision that, that Peter had when it comes to partiality or no, not showing partiality. Yeah, the sheep that came down, mm-hmm. That's right. That's correct. I'm so glad that we can eat ribs now because um, I'm, I'm so glad Peter had that vision. You know, uh, there was a reason why, and, and Tony has talked about this some, so I won't, I won't revisit that for a second time, but Tony has mentioned about the reason why the, <clears throat> the truth was coming to the house of Israel, to the Jews first, and then also to Greek. But, but we see through Scripture that God is accepting of everyone. Now, we can get in trouble here today and saying that, well, God accepts all. He does but there are conditions. There's a condition that we must find ourselves in in order for God to accept us. Uh, as Peter related later at the, at, Jerusalem, at the Jerusalem conference in Acts chapter 15, if you turn over there, God makes no distinction. Acts chapter 15, starting at verse 7, the scripture says, And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that my mouth, by, that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and, be, um, and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. What I'm, <clears throat> I'm, I keep thinking about when I have read this is that Adam and Eve were not Jews, were they? I mean, the Israelites didn't exist doing, um, doing uh, Noah's time, did they? No. It was those that were, that did what God told them to do. We're not Jews today. I wasn't born out of uh, one of the tribes. But God has made a way for me to be his son through his son, through Christ. And so God is accepting of all. And so we need to be. 
It's well represented when we come here uh, um, doing our services. We need to be accepting of all. In his last epistle, Peter wrote that the Lord desires all to come to repentance, Second Peter 3, 9. God wants us to be one and accept one another. Even as Christ has received us, so we too are to receive one another, Romans fifteen seven. <clears throat> Putting on Christ in baptism, our differences lose their significance as we contemplate our oneness made uh, possible in him. Turn to Gal- Galatians three twenty seven to 28. And what I was saying is our differences lose their significance as we contemplate our oneness made possible by, uh, in him. Galatians three twenty seven through 28. Someone please read that nice and loud. Thank you. When we understand that God is no respecter of persons and that we are to receive one another just as he has received us, we are in a better position to have an accepting fellowship. Here are a few more thoughts, though, on on that line. Excuse me. Implying the concept of, of acceptance. We, like God, should not practice partiality. When we read James chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, we see that showing favoritism towards some and uh, prejudice towards others is not a great thing. An example is found there in James chapter chapter 2. And I believe that is talking about the rich man. Someone that comes in that, excuse me, has on nice clothing and, and one that doesn't. James chapter 2, starting at verse 2. It says, for if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and and in fine apparel, and there should be shall also come in a poor man in filthy clothes. And you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, "You sit here in a good place." And say to the poor man, "You stood there, or sit here, <coughs> excuse me, at my footstool." Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brother, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which He promised to those who love Him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into courts? Do not <clears throat> do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you are really f- to ref- if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law of transgression, where where we are told to accept the poor. Um, as well as the rich. That's what we were told there. Look, there is not a place in heaven for where the richer get to live and stay here and the poor are over here. Heaven is for all. Um, I will gladly tell you all, if there were literal mansions in heaven and you have a closet that has a little, small little room, you know, a little uh, enclave in there, if I can just stay in there, I'm good. I don't need all of heaven. I just want to be there. It doesn't matter if in this life you are rich or poor. What you, what you going to do with that, though? You know, there is, there is, there is, there is a great, let me see, there's great benefit, I, I would say, in both, whether you're rich or poor. And I tell you that 
I am not rich financially per se. I am rich in love though. I, my children and my wife, I, I love that. I'm, I'm rich in Christ. But I, what I will, and, and, and my brothers and sisters in Christ. But what I will tell you that is that I have been poor along with my mom and my brothers. And I look back on those things, those, those troubles and those struggles that we go through. And my mom and I, we laugh about it all the time because we got through it. There were times I didn't, we did not know where food was going to come from. And then somebody would show up with a big thing of beefaroni or we're getting invited out to dinner or, or it was just there. I'm not saying a miracle happened. I'm saying God's providence was there, though. Um, God provided. And maybe I didn't understand that when I was younger, especially as a teenager, but God was providing all that time. And, I, and it was, it's great to struggle through it. Well, it wasn't while we're going through it, but it's great that we're able to struggle through it then. Anyway, what I'm trying to get at is there's no, there's no rich part of heaven there's no other side of town of heaven where we're going to be separated at. When we put on the new man through spiritual renewal, whatever our differences, we are to become like Christ. Um, Colossians 3, 9 through 10. As we do so, our differences lose uh, significance. Colossians 3, 11. For, we, for as we develop Christ-like character, the potential for partiality lessens. When we start thinking about how we are to be, how I'm to present myself as a Christian, we stop with these differences. And I start seeing you, I see in your soul as you see my soul. Colossians 3, 12 through 15. We have a heart of compassion, not ice. We'll be kind and not cruel, humble and proud, not proud, gentle and not harsh, patient and not intolerant, forgiving and not judgmental, loving and not bigoted. Now, saying all that, that the differences don't matter in a sense, let me tell you that our differences do have significance, though. This does not mean that our differences cease to exist. Just as in the scripture, even though they were Christians now, they still were Jews and they were still Gentiles. There were still those that were born of the, of the different tribes. They were still Jews. Oh, can I, can I tell you this? There, you know, it's still going to be black and it's still going to be white. I don't, we don't, when we go down in the water, we don't come up and we're all just the same. It doesn't happen. In case y'all didn't know that, that, that doesn't happen. Um, black will still be black. White will still be white. And, and, and then for people to say, well, I'm, I'm just colorblind. How do you find your car when you go outside? I'm being serious. Now, we have differences. So see me for who I am. I see you for who you are. Let's relish those differences. Okay, so I talked about the teenagers. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, and they like to stay. The rest of y'all probably do too. I do not. I know. I'm American still. It's American. Oh, well, I just don't like steak. And they like steak a little differently than I do. That's the first meal that Dora fed me, right? And she just knew I was crazy. And I was like, no, I can't. I can't eat that. But that doesn't mean I don't love her any less. It's just different. I mean, you know, that's just different, right, sis? Right. You, and you accept me for my differences. You for supposed to say yes, they can't see anything. How do we, it's, it's, it's all right to see, it's all right to see our differences. In fact, let's, let's embrace that. I love different cultures. I love different cultures because different cultures have different foods and different clothing and different just way of thinking and it helps you be able to see, I think it helps you be able to see God. When we were in Japan and we were teaching 
um, in a program called Let's Start Talking, where we, we talk English for free, because <coughs> it's very expensive to learn English in Japan, and we use the book of Luke. With the, we, we had no discussion. Hey, we're teaching the Bible, and we're going to teach you about becoming a Christian, but we're going to also teach you English. While we're having this Bible study, man, a gentleman asked me, he said, I see that Jesus went into the wilderness. What did he go in the wilderness for? Did he go to find himself? I was like, what are you talking about? He said, well, in Japan, if we were to go out to somewhere secluded, we're going to find ourselves, to meditate and bring ourselves, you know, make ourselves better. I said, that is interesting. Never heard of that. And so we were able to, I was able to go in a, a different avenue with him to help him understand why Jesus is out there. I love that. Because I would have never thought about that. At least not at the time. The poor will still be poor. The rich will still be rich. Divine guidelines governing some differences must be respected. You know, um, let's say Mr. James was my boss. And just because I got baptized doesn't mean now, okay, well, I, you know, you ain't my boss, I'm going to leave, you say, no, um, I'm, I get baptized now, I know he's an elder, so now I'm an elder too, yeah. That doesn't make any sense, does it? No. Um, I get baptized, so now I'm a woman and you're a man. That's not... I know it sounds like foolishness, but take that then with other things that we try to say, well, there's no difference. Why, why do men only speak and women don't? Well, you do. There, there are other avenues for you to speak and you use your talents. Let's not take these differences and, and, and make them something more or less than what they are. The differences and responsibilities between male and female must still be honored. Colossians 3, 18, 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 12, and 1 Corinthians 14, 34 through 38. These are not my words. These are, this is in Scripture. And so if you have someone to argue with, someone you want to be mad about, mad with, take it up with God. Don't take it up with me. I'm not, I'm not coming up with this God. As we grow in Christ, putting on a new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, we are more likely to fulfill the ammunition of Paul in Romans 15, 7, where it says, Therefore, receive one another, just as Christ also received us, to the glory of God. The whole point in this lesson, as we've been talking about Christian fellowship, us coming together, is that that coming together means that we really need to come together. We have differences, yes. They're there. Oh, man. You know? There's a reason why we are there. I don't know why God made us look like we do, but he did. So it's happened. I mean, it's been a long time since God created heaven and earth and the people and animals and all that. We, we, need, we need to accept it and accept the fact that God accepts us. All dirty and everything. All our sins. He provided Christ for us so that we can, we can leave, he can at least see us. Even when we sin,
how we go about that freedom. We do have freedom, but there are some limits on it. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord God in heaven, we're grateful to you, Lord, for allowing us to be here tonight. Help us, Lord, all to have an accepting fellowship of one another, even with our differences, Lord. We're so grateful that you look at us just as your children. You don't see the differences that we may see with one another. But help us, Lord God, to use these differences, these talents that we have, and then maybe to help each other to get to heaven. Please be with us as we go now to our devotional uh, period, and that we may praise you and honor you. We're so grateful to you, Lord, that you do forgive us of our sins. We're, we're grateful that you forgive sins. We ask that you do forgive ours. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for your time.